0: If you have a Bible, you can make it a third to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, and you can go ahead and go to, to chapter 1. This will be an introductory sermon of sorts into a study in the book of Proverbs. Uh, like all introductory sermons, there will be introduction stuff. And so some of this will be a little bit laying the groundwork and hopefully uh, exciting us uh, and, and whetting our appetite for what we're going to see in the book of Proverbs over the coming weeks. Uh, we'll be in Proverbs this Sunday and next Sunday, and then as we gather with, uh, with Encounter, we'll be in a few different Psalms, and then we'll come back to the book of Proverbs uh, there. In the book. But we'll be in Proverbs looking at some verses in chapter 1, but also uh, throughout the book. I was looking online at a, a Forbes article that was written in 2015, and it said this it says that more data has been created. In the past two years, than in the entire previous history of the human race, I thought it would be like in the past 2,000 years or something. But more data, more information has been created in the past two years than uh, all the way back to the to the history of the human race. Hard to imagine, and much of that data is created by by us. We are the users of of technology. We take pictures and we post content on social media, and we save documents to the cloud. And when you start to think about how many computers and devices and things are just in this room alone and how much we're uploading on that, and you can see how fast that compiles, uh, how we can be creating all that data. But we're not just creating that, we're also accessing that. Think about how often we're trying to find things. There's uh, so much that we can know, and apparently we want to know everything, because uh, there are 4 billion Google searches performed. Every minute, every minute, four million Google searches happen in the world. So, it's amazing. With a few clicks, you can learn something obscure about pop culture that you forgot. Uh, you can get on YouTube and find out how to fix your car. Uh, you can uh, read a hundred reviews of the restaurant that you're going to go to after church this evening and figure out if you really want to go there. Uh, there's so much information out there. And we were. In some historical places, it, it, there was a day not long ago when it was only the elite, it was only the rich that had access to books that had any kind of a, a personal library. But for us, how many books could we load up on our computer or even just on our phone and be able to read anything and they had everything that we want? And yet, with all this information that we're creating and all the knowledge that we're able to, add, to, to access, the question that comes to my mind as we study the book of Proverbs is... Are we as individuals and as a society growing in wisdom? Not just knowledge and not just intelligence, but wisdom. Now, wisdom certainly has something to do with knowledge. But we also know that when Scripture talks about wisdom, it's not necessarily something that resides purely in our heads. It's not just. Facts and information. It's, it's not wisdom at its core isn't really even something that you could do on Google search and find it. What is wisdom? Wisdom is often been described as skill in living. Skill being the, the key word. Uh, in fact, the word for wisdom in Exodus 31, 1 through 3, is used to describe the, the craftsmen and the artisans in Israel. They had wisdom, they had skill. And so wisdom is being able to skillfully and rightful, rightly respond to all the different situations that we face in life. So things come at us, we face different things in life, but how do we skillfully and rightfully, rightly respond to them? It's not just knowing about different facets of life, but it's it's applying knowledge, rightly. So wisdom wants to know, how, how do we, How do I live rightly in God's world? How do I use my money rightly? How do I respond to the different relationships, the different relational issues that come into my life? How should I talk? What are the words that I should use? What are the words that I should not use? What is a godly work ethic? What is friendship? How can I be a good friend? How can I identify what a good friend is? Proverbs looks at all these questions and more it, it looks at all of life and tries to give us the wisdom to tackle all the countless situations circumstances that people that come into our life. The Proverbs wants to make us still at living. Uh, wise is how we tackle all that comes into our lives? And we all want to live life still. We all want to be wise. The like right me to hear those questions, the, those life situations that and you hear me saying, well, Proverbs is going to tell you how to rightly deal with all those situations. And you say, well, let's read this book. Let's, let's get some wisdom. Tell me what I need to do to be wise. Because so often, I don't feel like I live life skillfully. <laughs> but I keep telling you, on Friday, I think at one point, I was laying on the floor saying, I am not good at life. And we've all been there, right? I just don't know how to skillfully deal with all the things that come at me in life. And I'm not sure what to do. But gaining wisdom isn't just simple. It's not just reading the book of Proverbs and all of a sudden we are wise. Proverbs doesn't really function like an instruction booklet for putting Legos together. Um, you know, as long as you have all the pieces and haven't lost them somewhere, the, the illustrated guide will tell you exactly how to connect things and, and build a successful God-honoring life. That's not how Proverbs work. It's not like those Lego blocks that we just go out together. Wisdom is not simple. Because when we ask this question, what's the wise thing to do? The answer that often Proverbs will give us is, it depends. What is the wise thing to do in a specific circumstance? It depends. Because life is, is funny that way. You know, what's wise today could be really foolish tomorrow. Which is why Proverbs gives us this, this huge storehouse. Maybe that's a good way to think about it. About just a giant storehouse of of wisdom. Maybe you don't want to think about it this way, but, you know, we live yeah. in Kentucky and maybe you, you've done one of these tours of the bourbon distinctions. They're huge, and there's just all these casts in there. And it's, it's a storehouse just full of, and proper is like, it's just full of all these different wisdom for all these different situations of life. It's a storehouse of wisdom, but it's, it's not like the law. It's not sort of cut and dry, a black and white response for every situation. Because the wise thing to do and to say at one point again can be the foolish thing to say at another. A wise act, action in one situation may be a foolish action in another situation. So Proverbs does things like, in one verse it says, uh, answer a fool according to his folly. And in the very next verse it'll say, don't answer a fool according to his folly. Because it depends on the situation. It talks about being generous to those in need, but it also talks about how we should be wise our money. We should freely give our love, but maybe not always, because you have to be wise in those circumstances. I can tell you situations where I talked to a person, same person, one week, and they were seeking benevolence from the church. But in that moment, I knew that was the wise thing to do was to help them. At the very next week, exact same situation, that was the foolish thing to do, and I to do it. Because wisdom sometimes depends. We need wisdom for everyday life because life is complicated. Proverbs addresses all these different areas of life that we need wisdom. But it doesn't address every situation, does it? In fact, Proverbs isn't the only book in Scripture that's identified as wisdom literature. The books of Ecclesiastes and Job are also said to be wisdom literature. But they offer kind of a different perspective on life. They help us to understand the, the pursuit of pleasure and the apparent vanity of life. They help us to identify what wisdom looks like when the bottom drops out of life. They give us insight that Proverbs maybe isn't able to pull the elaborate on. Elaborate on. But Proverbs does give us a, a lot to learn, and hopefully we're going to glean some of that wisdom in the coming weeks and months. So let me just give you a broad overview of the, the whole book of the structure of, of Proverbs. For some of you that were in Sunday School in recent months, this may be a bit of a review, but that's okay. I needed it so then it needed to. Wow. A proverb in general, just not just in scripture, but across all of life, a proverb is a, is a short and memorable saying that communicates a general truth. That, that's what a proverb is. A proverb is a short and, and memorable saying that communicates a general truth. So it speaks to a reality that we know, but sometimes we can diss it. And so a proverb says it in a way that causes us to pause and to reflect. So we have a lot of problems, but we don't really call them problems. Some of these may be cultural. I've noticed that problems are there's probably problems within different cultures. Maybe with you know a Filipino proverb or a Colombian proverb, whatever culture you come from. These are probably some American ones, but maybe you know things like "absence makes the heart grow fonder." That's a problem. That's a general truth that's said in a fifty way. Better late than never. Uh, how about this one? Two heads are better than one. Well, two heads are better than one, but there's another proverb. Too many cooks spoil the broth. So, two heads are good, but you know, if you get too many heads, then you're going to cause problems. Um, you can't teach an old dog a new tricks. These are problems. These are things that communicate a every That The book of Proverbs contains many of these kinds of short, pithy statements. Most often, they're in a couplet. of So two lines that complement each other, or they contrast with one another, or one sort of expands on what the first one said. And we'll we'll look at those two line structures, and and we'll talk about them more. But uh, we should be clear that the the problem is more than just a collection of these general sayings. Uh, Solomon is is stated as the main author of this book. So Solomon, King David's son. Uh, King King David's son, Solomon, you remember, was given a unique wisdom. God asked him what he would want? And he said, I want to be wise. I gave him deep wisdom. But he said to be the, the source of the material, especially of chapters 1 through 29, 31. Chapters in the Book of Proverbs and Solomon is the source for the first 29. Chapter 30 is written by a man named Jew, A-G-U-R. And chapter 31, is the same as a guy named Rebuah. These are the authors that though there were probably also people that compiled these things. So Solomon had all this wisdom, and then there were probably some people that put these things together into the, the book itself. The book opens, if you look at chapter 1, with a prologue. It sort of sets the, the, the tone, states the purpose uh, for the book. Let me read these first seven verses here of the book of Proverbs, this introduction. It says in Proverbs 1, 1, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands them take guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. But fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that sets the tone and the purpose. And then for the rest of the chapter, all the way until the end of chapter nine, we find ten speeches, ten extended teachings of a father to his son. And interspersed within there are the words of lady wisdom that calls for people to listen to her and follow her path. But you were with us in Sunday so school, that's mainly what we what we talked about. As a side note, just interesting to note that Solomon, who is a king in Israel, and so wise that that. He is seen here as a father speaking to his son. but it shows us that especially in in, in Hebrew thought, and it should be true in our thought, that that wisdom begins in the home. It begins with a a parent speaking to a child. That's where the first wisdom that we have comes from our parents. Chapters 30 and 31 are similar to those first nine chapters. They're they're more coherent, connected teachings. In chapter 30, Aubrey represents a a man who has found wisdom in the scriptures, and in chapter 31, Lethul describes a woman who is wise. In some ways, sort of the book ends with uh, these two examples of wise people, people who have read the Book of Proverbs and now applying it. So chapters 1 through 9 and 32 through 31, that's those. But the middle section there is different. And this is, uh, usually what we think about when we think about the Book of Proverbs. They are written by Solomon, but their format is different than these speeches of chapters 1 through 9. There are subdivisions that that we can put in there, but for the most part, they are just these individual pieces of of wisdom. They're not totally random, but sometimes they they feel really random, and they move very quickly from one topic to the next. Sometimes you can connect them, there's there's one, you can think of it, the the 30 sayings of the wise, that's in chapter 22, verse 17, through chapter 24. So that's kind of a section. But for the most part, these things seem to have no connection whatsoever regarding that sort of disorder. A commentator, Dwayne Garrett, says this. He says that it demonstrates that while, that while reality and truth are not irrational, neither are they fully subject to human attempts at systemization. The proverbs are presented in a seemingly haphazard way when you encounter the issues with which they deal. So proverbs in this sort of scattered way shows us that that's how we need wisdom because we're walking through life Things are just coming at us randomly. It's not that one day, well, today you're going to deal with your work ethic. No, we've got to deal with life as a whole. That's, so that's how problem is. Now, here's the challenge, though, when you study the book of Proverbs. We can go through chapters 1 through 9 fairly simply. We can do that with 30 and 31. But these little chapters, chapters 10 through 29, they're so random that it's really hard to know how to study through them. And so, my hope is that we can actually try to gather all the Proverbs that we can find, especially throughout the whole book, but especially in those chapters, and find all the Proverbs on a a given topic or theme, and then try to understand the cumulative wisdom that that Proverbs offers us in what we find in God's Word on that specific topic. So we can say, what does Proverbs say about the words that we use about our speech? Well, it says a lot, and it says it in a lot of different places. So, what if we take everything that Proverbs says about the work that we speak, and we just focus on it, and try to find strands and and where they connect? What about work? What what can the individual Proverbs together teach us about how we are to to work in the world? And how can we draw those strands together? That's hopefully how we're going to study it. So, in other words, my hope is that we can see the wide range of wisdom that Proverbs gives us in a common common situation of life, and then in understanding that wisdom, we can then apply it. So we'll take different themes each week and talk about them. Now, a classic way to read the book of Proverbs, given that there's 31 chapters, is to read a chapter for each day of the month. None of them have ever done that. But it would take you through the book 12 times in a year. And maybe you would want to do that as we begin this study in the book of Proverbs, uh, that would be something you would want to do. Tomorrow is the night. You can start in chapter 9. It should be a great place to start. You'll miss those first words. I still a little bit out of context, but chapter 9 is Wisdom's Call. That's a great place to start, and then you'll jump right into those the bulk the of the kind of what we call the haphazard random problems that are there. Uh, maybe you, you can do that first thing in the morning. Maybe you could uh, bring it at the dinner table if, if you like. Uh, before you go to that Wow. And as you do that, you might think about a specific theme. In the past, I've gone through a Bible with, a, with different colored pens and marked out the, the different problems on different topics. So well, everything that a problem says about the problem, I'm going to circle that number in red. Kind of like the wow. um, and, and we can slowly start to see all the wisdom on that specific topic. Yeah. So maybe that I, I commend that theme to you, to read through the book of Prophets as we said but well, for the rest of our time here this evening, I want to consider the, the source of wisdom. Uh, so, uh, what is wise to depend on a specific circumstance. The foundation at the beginning of wisdom does not change. And if we're going to learn the lessons of problems, then you have to start right. That's true with anything, right? The, the first step is always that most important step. So, what is the beginning of wisdom? What is the, the source of wisdom? Wisdom. If I saw it there, in verse 7 of chapter 1, did you see it? Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Who despise wisdom and instruction. So it's the fear of the Lord that is the foundation of true wisdom. The truth... So, it actually broke into these first nine chapters because in chapter 9, verse 10, we read this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So, the chapter 1 begins with this, and then this section in chapter 9 ends with the fear of the Lord. And then actually, the whole book is brought to a close in chapter 31, verse 30. Uh, speaking of the, of the wise woman, we read, Charm is deceptive, that you is fleeing, but a woman fears the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord, it begins and it ends in the book of Proverbs. And the fear of the Lord is the source of all wisdom. And, and it's when we rightly fear of the Lord that we can grow in wisdom. This is its, its source, its beginning place. It's the of it sets the tone for the rest of the wisdom that's all in Proverbs. But what does that mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's a simple statement, but it's it's kind of a profound idea. So I want to offer two statements for us to think about. What it means to fear the Lord. The first is this: If I fear the Lord, I revere and respect God as the one who is truly wise. If I fear the Lord, I revere and respect God as the one who is truly wise. Like when we hear the words fear of God, we often think about fear of retribution, fear that God going to punish us for the wrong things that we do. And there may be an element of that here. Because we should know that if we reject God's wisdom, they are not going to go well for us. What I also see in that fear has less to do with being frightened of God's power, and more to do with acknowledging that, that knowledge begins and ends with God that while there are other sources of wisdom in this world, that they echo his wisdom, God is the originator of all true wisdom. But if God is the source of wisdom, then we also know that wisdom has this moral component to it. In other words, wisdom and righteousness in the book of Proverbs are, are never in conflict. The right and the just thing to do in a situation is also always the wise thing to do in a situation. Wisdom and righteousness go together. We can also say that, that God is wisdom. That to know the character of God is to know what wisdom is. That's why Proverbs 9, one uh, it, it makes knowledge of 9.10, it makes knowledge of the Holy One parallel to the fear of the Lord. So Proverbs 9, 10, again, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding knowing God it's understanding. That's where true wisdom comes from. But so the fear of the Lord is to know him in all that he is. So if we're seeking wisdom, where do we turn? If you want to be wise in this world, where do you where Do you look? So we come to God, to who he is, and say that he's the final authority for what is wise and what is right? There's wisdom in this world that would cause us to go against what is right, to violate God's holiness, to so say that Situation that what God says is wise simply just doesn't work. Maybe it right that. and you know maybe that worked at one work, point, but it doesn't work now. It could be wise, but it's just it's foolish to act that way. But if we fear God, if we, fear that we fear and revere and know who God is, we will always say that that His ways are right. We will walk in His wisdom, and know that His ways are what is true. I think it can be an interesting way to look at the. Old Testament acts of God, to look at the acts of Jesus in the New Testament. How how do God and God in Christ exemplify wisdom in every situation by what they do? How can we learn to walk in wisdom by watching the way that God acts and watching the way that Jesus acts? The problems will show us Christ because Jesus is proclaimed by the the Gospels to be wiser than Solomon. Jesus, in 1 Corinthians 130, is called the wisdom of God. The more that we know God, the more that we trust Him and believe Him and act as He does, the more that we grow in wisdom. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning that if I fear the Lord, I revere and respect God as the one who is truly wise. Coupled with that, we find this other, this second thought. If I fear the Lord, I recognize my need for His wisdom. So he said, if I fear the Lord, I revere and respect God as the one who is truly wise. But also, on the other hand, if I fear the Lord, I I recognize my need for his wisdom. I I recognize my need for his wisdom. So the first one is knowledge of God, and the second one has to do with our knowledge of ourselves. In a word, this is is humility. It says that God is truly wise, not me. The contrasting thing." 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What's the second part? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What's the opposite of being wise and of fearing the Lord? It's despising wisdom. It's saying that I know what is right and God doesn't know what is right. Proverbs 15, 32 and 33 are helpful. Here's what they said. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. What a great way to say that. Whoever ignores instruction, despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord, again, the fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. The fear of the Lord and humility are parallel in those networks in the city of Because humility is part of the fear of the Lord. Because if, if if we will not humble ourselves to the point of saying that we need God's wisdom that we will begin to think that we have all the knowledge, that we have things figured out, that we have no need of That's what. That's why Proverbs 4, 7, it's saying, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. So, what's the beginning of wisdom? Get wisdom. What about the beginning of wisdom with the fear of the Lord? It is, and if we fear God, then we will humble ourselves and we will know that we need wisdom from God, not from ourselves. We will, send, and we will seek out wisdom. We will seek out wisdom in God. Wisdom begins when we humbly search for wisdom from God alone. The opposite of a wise person in the book of Proverbs is the fool. And the fool is the one who thinks that he has enough wisdom in himself. And that he does not need God. That's that we are all a fool from time to death. We all think that we haven't figured out. People offer us instruction based in God's Word. They offer help. They offer proof. We're proof. And you know what you say? I know. I know what I'm doing. I have everything figured out. Wisdom, I've got fun wisdom. In fact, wisdom begins and ends with me. But if we are to grow in it, it's going to begin first with a humility that says, I don't know. I need wisdom. Do you have that experience? I have that experience. When someone tells me something that I already know, I want them to know I know. Do you know i am done? I already knew that. That's fine. But the humility is when we, receive, when we hear wisdom, we are, we are willing to follow and say, I received that. I didn't know that. But I had forgotten. I wasn't focused on that at all. This is, this is what Ludwig does in Proverbs 30. Ludwig is a wise man, because though he's a king, he says in Proverbs 30, verses 3 and 4, Surely I am only a brute, not a man. <laughs> he says, I do not have human understanding. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I attained to the knowledge of the Holy. Now, what appears to be an admission of foolishness is really the evidence of someone which is truly wise. Because wisdom begins. When we say, I need wisdom. I don't have everything figured out. I think Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 actually summarizes what we've been talking about Well, So we said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord begins when we revere and respect God as the source of wisdom, and it begins when we recognize that, that we need wisdom, when we humble ourselves. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. It encapsulates this. So I, I give you these verses just as a as uh, four verses to meditate on this week, four verses to memorize. You probably have already memorized Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Very, very personal to you. Tap on verses 7 and 8 in your in the memory of these verses. Proverbs 3, let me read verses 5 to It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart It do not be on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshing to your bones. I love the the way that encapsulates so much of what true wisdom is. It begins with this idea of trusting the Lord and not leaning on our own understanding. Of saying, I trust that God knows what's right. And that I might not yet. I need to learn. I need to see wisdom in God, to that, to acknowledge Him in all of our ways, to acknowledge God in all of our ways. Can you imagine if we were to be able to do that, to pause and always acknowledge the presence of God? Earth earth. To not be wise in our own eyes, but to be the Lord. And you see, he talks about He will make your path straight. He says it will be healing to your flesh and refreshing to your flesh. The spirit of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we step out in our pursuit of wisdom by revering and respecting God as the source of wisdom, and by recognizing our need of wisdom, then we are on the path to true righteousness and the true wisdom. If not, we will find ourselves on the path of the fool. Proverbs has much to say about paths, but it talks about two different paths the path of the wise, the path of the righteous, and the path of the fool. Here are some verses. The Father instructs His Son in chapter 4, verses 11-15, to says this, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be labored. If you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. And then in verses 18 and in the chapter 4, he says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until full day. Take that picture it's in your mind. Says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until full day. Except the sun rises. And then in contrast, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness and they do not know what well, they stole. The path of righteousness to the one who wants to be on. Proverbs 10, 17. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others to sin. Proverbs 10:29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evil doers. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool. It's right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice, especially the advice of the Lord. That one more, Proverbs 12:28. the path of righteousness is life, The in its pathway there is no death. We to walk on the path of wisdom, we to walk on the path of life. And the path of life begins with the fear of the Lord of the path of life. It's not just it's the, the path of life is not just wisdom. The path of life is, is the way of the gospel. The gospel is to to revere fear God. It, it's to see. Um, it, it, it's to see who God is. It's, it's to, to see that He is the just judge for my sin. To understand His righteous wrath against. Him because of my rebellion and my foolishness. But it's also to see that apart from God, apart from his work in saying, Jesus, I have no hope of salvation, and he is the only source of forgiveness. Faith in Jesus, then means that we humble ourselves with one Lord. We don't say, I can do it. We say, I can't do it. We see him as the true and wise and righteous one, as the only one who can save us. We see our need, and we rightly see the paths that lay before us, the wide and the narrow way. The path of the fool that rejects God and the gospel, he finds himself on the broad way that leads to destruction. But the wise one, the one who himself and walks down the narrow way of that it it's the path that leads to life. To kneel before Jesus as Savior or to admit Our need of Him and our hope in Him alone—that is the wisest thing that any of us. The world will say that it is foolishness. They say the cross is complete foolishness. But we know that God is the one who tells us what is true and wise. That it's a humility that we find forgiveness. It's true wisdom. That's the path that leads to life. Leads to eternal life. It's the joy that leads to peace in this life. I look forward to to learning what what wisdom God offers us, and I pray that we would begin the right way, that we would begin by carrying the Lord by rightly, preparing and respecting Him as the source of all wisdom. That then also that we humble ourselves before seek to grow. And again that is the gospel. We're gonna take the Lord's supper today. It's not the first of the month. So we did take it just last Sunday, but as elders, we, we kind of thought and said, it'd be good our first Sunday uh, away from our space and now together at the church to, to remember again that this is what goes with us and this is what always uh, is at the core of who we are. And as we think about that again, just to think about that it's, it's an understanding that God is the only source of salvation. He is the only one who can bring life health peace to my heart. So, he's the only one that can bring forgiveness. We humble ourselves when we talk to Jesus, we say, Jesus, you are my humble home. It's done in anything else that I've done, it's in faith alone in Christ.